And it's the roll is rocky. I'm looking to try the next mile to break sight to the blind man. It's down to the left child. We will survive in this country wilderness. Swimming through the waters of Babylon like a rebel fish. Jordan is specialist, critical and survivalist. Spitting heaven, fire from his lips. Burn a slave driver. to time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all that getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com which is the homepage and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to abibitumi.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's abibitumi.com forward slash Time for an awakening, and the live broadcast is airing there. Or you can download TuneIn to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. And in that TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream your program live, even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening video program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program. With the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening media is there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening Media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB Toomey. Always interesting things put in the marketplace all the time. Uh, various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, and health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 8.07 here in the city of Philadelphia on this uh, Sunday evening, uh, February 28th. And, uh, excuse the lateness of the hour, we were broadcasting the African diaspora, African in the world, thanks Cuba. 
a performing arts uh, event tonight. And uh, we'll get into a little bit more for the time that we have on the broadcast this evening. And you can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. Again, that's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use 
to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. And uh, before we get started with our abbreviated program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia, 7th and R Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm fine. I, I, I have to apologize Brother Obi and 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 to you and others that I wasn't able to listen in on the um, broadcast. So you have to uh, for those of us, you know, who, like me that found myself running around doing other things. Um, how was it? Oh, listen, everything. Now it was a two uh, two day uh, broadcast. I didn't catch the first day because uh, uh, Saturday I was at my place of business. Um, but I told him I was going to broadcast one of the days and we broadcasted today. And, uh, you know, he, I did notice that, um, all of the people that participated was from different countries, but mm-hmm. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't have the list, but at the end of the program, uh, he did mention about 25 different countries from around the world. You yeah, had, yeah. uh, uh, acts from off the continent, uh, Acts from out of uh, Europe, of the European continent. Uh, acts from the islands. Acts from the um, United States, and acts from South America. All brothers and sisters, all mm-hmm. uh, speaking in their own native tongues. So you know you heard different styles of music. Uh, it may be a shock to some of our listening audience, but everybody. Uh, that's black around the world. Uh, they don't necessarily produce music like uh, Motown or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they produce it in their own language, and sometimes it's the the themes of those areas. But the one thing that you do notice that that harmony, mm-hmm. that that spirit of our ancestors is 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 a common thread throughout the the uh, the music and the, and the presentation. I mean, I didn't understand a lot of the things that some of the groups were saying. But you mm-hmm. could clearly see their spirit and understand the message that they were trying to get across. Yeah, so uh, I, I, that's you know, it sh- as you say, as you're saying, it shows that um, you know that that what's that what they call a cultural continuity, regardless of time, space, language, and experience. Um, there is some um, unity amongst us. Oh yeah, and and you know that, and my hats off to him because. Um, to put something like that together, I mean, you know, listen, we talked last week mm-hmm. about the anatomy of a grassroots organizer, and th- that's just on a level, um, you know, what what uh, Obi was doing as far as uh, the African diaspora and, and the continent of Africa thanking Cuba for what they have done with their doctors, right. 
and trying to alleviate this pandemic. But it just shows the organizing, man. Uh, you know, to now I don't know how many, because I never really asked him how many different languages he speaks, because mm-hmm. I know he's been to a lot of these places and he's a forest correspondent. So I know he speaks other languages beside English. But to organize those things, organize the performances of all of those acts so they could uh, kind of come in on cue. Uh, the ones that, for the lateness of the hour, the ones that perform theirs uh, by audio and sent it in. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, that's a feat to organize that, Richard. And and, and this is also, um, uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, kudos to, to that in, international organizing, you know, amongst, around, around African, mm-hmm. um, you know, amongst African people and, and the whole thing of um, being able, you know, even for you to share that with us, to show that um, this version, I'm gonna call it this version of Pan-Africanism is alive and well. Um, here you see on one hand, the medical side with Cuba and these countries and their artists acknowledging uh, the medical um, contribution, right? That amongst um, uh, liberating and, and African people. And then on the other side, as you say, Obi being able to pull all of them together um, and and then for the listener to recognize that I can still identify, that shows that Pan-African spirit, um, that Pan-African organizing is alive and well. And it's uh, for those of us in North America being clear, that's not something that just happened, right? I mean, this is a process that's been going on as long as we've been in the diaspora. So I think that that's, you know, um, as you say, he, you know, having someone that can continue that that effort is kind of like a, a Martin Delaney in a way, you know, or a Marcus Garvey. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a, it's a few things that have went on this week, Richard, that uh, maybe we could touch on with our listening audience. Um, before we go to that, you know, because I'm going to get Dr. Aleem and, and probably Professor Jefferson back on probably next month to kind of do a uh, – uh, recap and revisit uh, to the program that we did in uh, late December and early January in reference mm-hmm. to this COVID-19 because different things have happened since then. Uh, they've had a couple of different uh, here in the United States, a couple of different vaccines come out and to just get those men's opinions on what's going on, what's being spread around uh, some information to counteract some of the other information that's been going around our communities, uh, just to get those men to come back on. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, I, I shared a couple of these articles uh, with with one of our uh, callers, uh, one of our Tampa Wickening family, in reference to uh, uh, the nasal interferon, which is the Paximune that uh, Dr. Lean is using, because they're. Mm-hmm in the process now of setting up, uh, like trials. Right. Uh, and these, these two came out of published reports. Uh, l- let me just share. It's a couple paragraphs. Um, one of these was from June, excuse me, August of last year. Uh, nasal interferon. It says nasal interferon to be administered to all health workers in Quiego, De Avila. Now that's in Cuba. Mm. It says nasal interferon, considered one of the leading products of the Cuban biopharmaceutical industry, has demonstrated its effectiveness against the coronavirus. 
by raising the immune systems in more than uh, 20,000 Cubans who have received it. Uh, a researcher for the Center for Generic, uh, Genetic Engineering and Biotechnology. Its preventative effects has long-term protection. It does not have very big adverse side effects, perhaps some nasal discomfort. It is not a drug that needs to be tested in Ciego de Vila. Rather, its effectiveness has already been recorded for more than 40 years, explained the specialist. For his part, uh, at the University of Medical Sciences in Central Cuban Province, stressed the application of the antiviral seeks greater prevention and more effectiveness in the protocols and treatment schemes. Uh, the academic pointed out that the administration of one drop in each nostril uh, for five days seeks to strengthen people's immune systems so they can face the uh, SARS-CoV-2 uh, virus, according to the sources. Um, this came from a report um, January the 7th of this year, earlier this year, Havana. Cuba will start administering nasal interferon, a drug produced by the country's biotechnology industry, to travelers and their relatives in order to prevent the replication of the uh, SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus and strengthen their immune systems. As reported in a session with the Provincial Defense Council of Havana, this medicine will be administered initially in the municipalities of uh, Boyo, well, uh, different municipalities in Cuba, and will be extended gradually to the rest of the capital. Uh, the director of the Science and Technology Innovations and Public Ministry of Public Health uh, explained that one drop will be administered nasally in the morning and another one at night for a period of five to ten days. Uh, Morales pointed out that one of the travelers' cohabitants must begin the treatment three days before their arrival to their home. Nasal interferon is a combatant uh, of alpha-2b for nasal administration that, thanks to the uh, antiviral properties, protects people against exposure to COVID-19. So uh, uh, it also strengthens the immune system. I'm sorry. It also strengthens the immune system and ensures that if the person is infected with the pathogen, they will not develop severe symptoms, uh, the experts added. So we see that they've been using this all the time on the island, Richard. And if you look, mm -hmm. they, they're, they're not only infections, but their death rates is extremely low. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it shows the success of what they're doing. Uh, uh, you know, other countries around the world have brought the doctors in, um, you know, to, to help out with this uh, pandemic. The only uh, the United States and some of their European brethren have it uh, because they got um, AstraZeneca and Moderna and Johnson & Johnson they're dealing with. But, they they, they want to keep that money. They, they're looking at the money that could be made. Yeah, um, well, listen, um, I'd, I'd personally rather, if I can't get a hold of something like that, you know, through Dr. Lean or whatever, mm. I just strengthen my immune system naturally. Because according to the doctors here, it says they have been doing this for over 40 years using this, this the drug. So it was no mm -hmm. need for any um, uh, trials. And plus, it just builds your natural immune system. It strengthens the natural immune system. 
it's nothing artificial. It's nothing like that's in uh, several of the vaccines that they're injecting into our people now. So, you know, it, that's some things to consider. And I'm, I'm to try to get the men back on here probably in March sometime to kind of give a, uh, a recap of the, some of the things going on. I just want to mention that those articles there. Great, great. Uh, Richard, we see that, um, you know, we talked, uh, you know, when uh, that Biden administration went in about some of the black people of note that we need to keep a scorecard on and watch uh, for various reasons. Um, A couple of them had made moves over the past couple of weeks. Uh, one of them made a move this week, and he's been in the forefront, even though he didn't make the move, but he's in the forefront for a reason, that Lloyd Austin, uh, when he uh, approved, or however, whatever, the Biden administration, uh, him as the point man, uh, bombed Syria mm-hmm. uh, this week, uh, said that they bombed uh, Iranian uh, targets in Syria. Which, to be honest, Richard, leaves me scratch, scratching my head because I don't really know what that means. You know, if you're in, if you're if you quote unquote in another country, and you're quote unquote bombing targets, that means you're bombing in another country. Right. So you know, it's just something to consider because these wars and skirmishes causes the deaths of a lot of our people. I'm not concerned about other folks. And plus other folks have a stake in what's going on here. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the watchmen for our people need to give our people an explanation of what's going on. And if you notice, they don't haven't said anything. In fact, yeah. in fact, uh, this Lloyd Austin, they was raving about them, them being proud of him going in. So he doesn't seem to be, he seemed to be a warmonger in the same tradition as the rest of them. Uh or at least they at least they have to uh it it can it can legitimize that a brown and and it's it's a little unfortunate that um in America and in our and in our mindset maybe just in my mindset everything comes down to either race or 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 skin color um you know at this point in trying to get, make some sense of things but I, I say that only to say you know, to legitimize that where before with this talk of white supremacy and white nationalists be such a, in the forefront of the media to have this bombing so immediately and being done by, you know, an African-American general, it doesn't look, the look, what is that? Yeah, the look is not as um, sinister as it is if it was a white general with a white president bombing. And remember the last time with um, Libya, was that Libya that Obama was the president? Yeah, Obama was president. I think Rice was yeah. the uh, and, and, uh, and, and Rice, yeah, foreign secretary, the, whatever she was at yeah, the time. Yeah, sec- secretary of state. So, you know, it's it just interesting how, you know, and, um, in, in the in the imagery looks, and I know I know it's other dynamics in imagery, but just in the imagery, and 
and we kind of we kind of um knew this and then still was lurking in the back um for some of us as africans um and and it's it's i don't think it's no coincidence that a lot of these things are happening doing quote unquote black history month Mm. you know when you turn on the television it's all types of stuff oh we support black businesses uh, we support HBCUs. You know, all of a sudden, Europeans are the most benevolent people on the face of the earth when it comes to black folks. Uh, but, uh, you know, I hope our people are not believing the hype or buying the foolishness. Uh, but, I mean, it's just it's just ironic that a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff is happening now uh, during a quote-unquote Black History Month. Uh, go ahead. Finish it. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's just, it's just as you were saying, you know, just... The whole, uh, I was just going to emphasize even in, in what you have mentioned when you open a program with Obi and the, like how even though this is going on and the um, contradiction is there, you see um, the growth and development of, of, a, um, of, of, a, of a, a global people who are um, recognizing whether it be by health or in opposition to to the war, and um, I think I I seen the uh, the man is the head of the is it foreign the uh, foreign affairs committee Meeks um, mm-hmm. m- making a statement and calling um, the Palestinians racist um, or you know or you know and it and it's again we have this um, imagery. Of, of black folks on this, but at the same time, we're you know we're um, developing a uh, coalition amongst ourselves, and that we always had in opposition to um, this this type of uh, warmongering and misguided aggression. You, now I didn't see that you said Meeks was calling the Palestinians yeah, racist. Things, yeah, Palestinians. I just seen an article came past me. And I wanted to valid uh, verify by that, but they were saying that Meeks made a um, a um, statement that the Palestinian um, Palestinians have to are 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 um, and are being racist. Yeah, I, maybe when, when we take a break or something, I'll try to look and see if I can pull mm-hmm. that up. Yeah, and you know, it's it's kind of <laughs> it's funny when you see that because Richard, you know. If I ask you your opinion on a particular matter, your opinion might slightly differ from mine's. Mm-hmm. It, it might be very different from mine's. And sometimes uh, we might say the same thing. But generally, people are right. different, and a lot of their opinions vary. But the thing that's strange to me, to let me know that these representatives are being directed by other people is that when you ask black, quote-unquote, leadership about that Israeli situation, situations dealing with Israel, or situations dealing with Israel and what's going on over there with other people, they always give the, do you notice they give the same answer, Richard? Whether you're talking to uh, senators, congresspeople, state representatives, State senators, council people, it's the same. Oh, well, you know, 
I hope uh, we're looking for a two state solution. You, you, you notice they say the mm-hmm. same thing, which is mm-hmm. very strange because you can't get two people to say the same thing to a problem, give you the same answer. But they give the same answer, which lets me know that they've been instructed. If you're mm-hmm. asked anything dealing with Israel, this is what you say and then move on. They don't deal with it. They don't dwell on it. They give you an answer. Ooh, we're trying to get a two-state solution, and then they move to something else. They obfuscate really fast because politicians is good at doing that anyway. But I do notice that, and I want the folks to notice it. Whenever you have a black representative with at any level asked about what's going on, today, on over there, they give you the same answer. Mm-hmm. Richard, yeah. uh, two other things I wanted to mention, and uh, – Maybe we'll get yeah, we'll get to the callers kind of quick because they they you know they waited a little while and I see a couple sitting here. Uh, Syria was attacked earlier this week. Uh, supposedly, American interests in Syria uh, because uh, some uh, American interests in Iraq was attacked by. Uh, excuse me, American interests in Iran was attacked by Iraq. And if you remember in November, I think they killed an Iraqi official, Iranian official that was visiting Iraq. They mm. killed him going to the airport and killed right. other innocent people in the motorcade and, and, and wherever they were in, in, in the proximity to the individual. Um, Now, I've never heard. Now, I'm no foreign correspondent. You know, I followed some things internationally. But I've never heard the United States complain that Syria sponsors terrorism in the United States. You always heard about Iraq, I mean, Iran, uh, Afghanistan, uh, Iraq before they went in there and and, uh, destabilized the country was state sponsors of terrorism that would affect the United States. The only one I've, I've heard complain about Syria being a sponsor of terrorism is Israel. Yeah. So the United States attacks Syria, I guess in behalf of Israel. I mean, it's clear, but your representatives have nothing to say about it. Now, let's put that in the scorecard. Let's push that to the side for a second. The United States attacked a foreign country, which will lead to ramifications. Uh, and you got black folks, whether they're some of our audience, sons, daughters, nephews, nieces, husbands, wives, in this man's armed forces. Now, early this week also, Richard, the um, the uh, what's that? The uh, House passed uh, sweeping protections for the LGBTQ. <laughs> now, if you would think, Richard, that. Black elected officials 
who is supposed to be your watchman. You know, that, the collage that I played, Minister Furrican in one of the voices says that um, they watch with a spiritual eye and other folks are supposed to watch with a political eye. They're supposed to be the watchmen for the people because you vote for them, right? You remember that? Mm-hmm. Now, these people are supposed to be your watchmen. Number one, we just talked about what went on earlier this week about uh, bombs being thrown in another country. Now here, the House passed this sweeping LGBTQ legislation. Now, it would seem to me, Richard, especially during this month, because they did it during Black History Month. During this month, when they talk about King and others that gave their lives for certain things that they believed in, that you would have an obligation to have town hall meetings with your community, who you represent, and talk with them about what's going on. And the reason I'm saying that is this, Richard. The 64 civil, and I'm not even going to talk about 100 years before that, because there was no need for the 64 Civil Rights Act, because it was already done 100 years before that. But this government, along with Europeans uh, who fostered it, uh, was disingenuous and never intended to fulfill what they said. So you turn around almost 100 years later and had to write up the 64 Civil Rights Act. But the 64 Civil Rights Act was the same one that was related to the one uh, almost 100 years before that, which you are fully aware of, right, Richard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, let me read this. Uh, this is from the uh, government website, the facts of Title Five of the 64 Civil Rights Act. Um, title Five. And I guess that, you know, I'm a little foggy on those Roman numerals. I think that's five. Mm-hmm. Title four, one of the title four of the 64 of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 is a federal law that prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, color and national origin and all programs or activities receiving federal funds. Uh, title four allows persons to file administrative complaints with federal department agencies for discrimination based on race, color, and your national origin of any company or business that receives federal funds. So this bill, Richard, was in direct relation to you and what you were going through here in this country. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Now, the language states clearly race, color, and national origin. Now, let me read this. It says the House passes sweeping protections for LGBTQ. The House on Thursday passed the Equality Act, a sweeping civil rights bill that gives protections, that expands protections on education, housing, employment, uh, for LGBTQ people, uh, the bill prohibits discrimination 
uh, based on your sexual orientation and gender identity in uh, jury service and public accommodations. This bill would amend the Civil Rights Bill of 1964 and extend protections on sexual orientation and gender identity. So your bill, Richard, was amended by this. Mm. Now, when you amend a bill, you add to it. And sometimes whatever you add to it might be bigger in scope than what the original part was. Like if you, um, you know, amend a structure that you're building. You understand what I'm saying? So so if this bill was even tampered with, do you think this is, I'm just asking your opinion. Do you think that your representatives should have talked with you, had town hall meetings with you to see if you wanted your bill that some of it, because they're quick to, to run to the black public when it's time to vote and say, your ancestors died for this. They said, I mean, it's almost like a broken record when you hear it, right? Right. So your ancestors died for this right to vote. Well, you use the same language in it. They died for that bill to be passed. You don't think that they had an obligation to talk with black folks before you let other people tamper with this bill and put their stuff in your bill Listen, if if LGBTQ wanted protections, then lobby for a new bill. They make them all the time. Why did your bill have to be amended? Why did they do it this month, during Black History Month? And you were never told or even counseled by it. And your elected officials never told you anything about it, just that they passed it. Uh, Well, you know, that's... In this in this moment, um, where where we are, as uh, Dick Gregory said, we are the Frankenstein, right? And you do, they can just add parts, and it's supposed to be okay. You know, um, I, I yeah, I, I. But as far as whether they should be informing their constituency, whether they should be politically educating their constituency whether their constituency should be or whether we as constituents should be um, politically informed and directing them. Well, we see they ain't doing, they ain't, they ain't making no effort. And the question is always, I mean, the question I take from what you're raising is always why, right? Why aren't they making that? Is is it that community um, now more than ever so powerful? Um, Even so powerful, you know, we hear talk about lobbying, that they have lobbyists um, that that is directing them is the um, is the is the situ- is the difficulty for making a bill as you you know you assert um, for them so so um, difficult. Well, they still would you know wouldn't they come to their constituency and explain that and then explain why it's to the benefit to both interests because it is about interest, right? It was it was in our interest that the uh, voting right that that bill was put in place anyway, right? For, for our interests, um, political interests. 
political survival, um, even definition of what it is to be a citizen. Um, if they couldn't do it on their own, you know, um, as you say, couldn't they uh, make the case why and why they needed support? So at least it would be some discussion. But uh, you raise a you raise a hard question for me, Elliot, because I don't never see I've never seen when they did. Yeah, get out the vote, but that's not doing no political education. That's not well, but see, that, but that only goes to what we've been saying before in this program. What I just said a minute ago, that they are receiving their marching orders and instructions mm-hmm. on how they're supposed to govern or, or uh, pretend like they're governing uh, their own constituents or black people. They're instructed on what to do. And, and, and you know, Ellie, I heard something I think might tie to that just in showing when you bring up about Black History Month, when you bring up about um, a bill being passed or something being passed, you know, with the own, you know, that, that has its origins and, and Black political interests, and, and you deal with this um, political moment, um, some commentators have made the case that um, Biden, by executive order, could could um, put the study for reparations to occur. Just by executive, like Nana's going through the bill, right? Mm-hmm. But, he, but it don't have to go through a bill. It can be done by executive order. As a as a thank you for saving his polit- his political run for the presidency. Well, he's not going to do that. Nope, he's not going to do that. And and that's another. And you brought up my third point, Richard. Three things happened this week that we should make mental note of and watch these people, just like you watching. Uh, uh, just like you might live in the wild and, and, and you have to watch when wild animals come. If you see signs of wild animals around your, your home, you need to watch and be careful. You got to watch these people. These two incidents that I just pointed out. And here's the third one. If you remember Richard, um, after the election, one of our callers out of New York, Jay had mentioned, uh, what is going to be? But what what is going to be black folks' agenda? What should we do? You remember when he was asking that mm-hmm. kind of rhetorical mm-hmm. question? Mm-hmm. And I mentioned then. I said, "Well, it's one thing that have been on the minds of black people that all of a sudden it's a fire been lit under folks that hadn't been active before that they've been coming active now. It's reparations." And that's something that the, 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 uh, the, the man can be forced on this man going into this new calendar year, his first year of this presidency. So we see now that, again, they're trying to play chess while some black people might be playing checkers or not even in the game at all and get their instructions later because – all of a sudden, I just want to play this this audio, and then I'm going to uh, mention something else. It's audio here uh, with uh, 
with AOC, Nicasio Cortez out of New York, and something that she said in reference to reparations. Uh, I think Bernie Sanders is on here too, but I, I want to play this. Fucking uh, get this thing right here. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the textbook definition of a snake in the grass as it pertains to her political relationship with black Americans. She is a protege of Bernie Sanders and she pulls from the tree of Bernie to which she has no problem weaponizing black suffrage and the black experience in order to further her political agenda. But when it comes to supporting policy that will specifically benefit black Americans, she doesn't support that just like Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders goes out of his way to avoid black politics, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez does exactly the same thing. Now, here's a quick example of Bernie Sanders ducking and dodging anything that has to do specifically with black Americans. I also want to ask you about this, the South. I mean, in 2016, you ran basically equal with Hillary Clinton everywhere in the country except the South, yeah. where she really ran the table against you. Um, it, that seems to be happening again. You didn't reach even 20% of the African-American vote anywhere in the South. In North Carolina, you actually did worse. You did 19% with African-American voters in 2016. That dropped two points last night. What, what is going wrong with your campaign when it comes to competing in the South and competing specifically for black voters? Well, let me just give you the other side of the story, is that in California, if my memory is correct, we received 39% of the votes of people of color which were Latinos, Asian-Americans, and African-Americans. If I am not mistaken, I haven't studied these results, we probably won the young people, uh, young people African-American vote, probably in all of those states. But in California, you're being well outpaced by Joe Biden among black voters. Well, we are winning among people of color in a very significant degree. We're Let's winning. talk about black voters, though, specifically, because it has been a persistent problem. You knew it was a problem in 2016. It might have cost you the well, nomination then, but I, it I, hasn't gotten better. Now, here's an example of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez being asked a very direct question as it pertains to her support for... Now, Richard, you heard his answer when this reporter asked him about black in particular. Right, right, right. Now, let's go to this one reparations for the descendants of American slavery. I want you to witness the way in which she severely fumbles this question due to the fact that she does not support reparations for the descendants of American slavery, but because it would be political suicide for her to outright say no, like a Republican Mitch McConnell, she has to make an attempt to talk in circles, but she fumbles so badly to the point that her answer is wildly incoherent. So the political conundrum is if we live in a country that's still 70% white, which is a number that I think shocks a lot of people, but if you include um, uh, white Hispanics, it actually is that big, um, who often vote similarly to non-Hispanic whites. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what is a political cost, let's say, of saying we're going to throw your hat in with a program like reparations? Mm -hmm. How much do you think those considerations should be made? Well... You know, it's a good question. I think that one of the things that we've seen from early polling, actually, is that I, I think that we should distance ourselves and start getting away from this idea that, that we should only care about ourselves 
um, because when we really do start to <laughs> assert and believe and understand and see how our how how our destinies are tied, um, it doesn't. It, we kind of get away from this idea that only you know people of color care about other people of color and only white people care about other white people and so on. Um, there are a lot of systems that we have to dismantle, but also it does get into this interesting area of where we are as a country about identity because like what does it mean to be black? Who is, you know, who is black and who isn't, especially as our country becomes more biracial and multi multiracial, same thing with being Latino, same thing, it brings up all these questions of like passing and, you know, things like that. But um, but I do think it is important that we have to have substantive conversations about race beyond um, beyond like what is racist and what is not. And if someone says something racist, does that make them racist? Like we we need to get away from talking. Well, not that we have to get away from talking about racism. It's important that we talk about racism. But because we talk about racism so much, we actually aren't talking about race itself. What is this woman? talking about right now. <laughs> yeah, let me stop there richard and i agree with that got it what the hell see what see the, 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 our people got to stop these people are playing chess while some of our people are playing checkers and listening to these clowns they're not for you they're, they're not speaking in your behalf they're, they're playing playing games running around in circles it's similar to these uh, uh answers that we had before let me try to pull it up just to uh, uh, re-familiarize our listening audience with some answers that we had before, if I can find it. Uh, boy, I can't seem to find it. Oh, yes, again, here's one of them. Her answer was similar to uh, your now vice president, and here she goes. Do you support reparations for black people? Well, listen, again, we had over 200 years of slavery. We had Jim Crow for almost a a, a century. We had legalized discrimination, segregation, and now we have segregation and discrimination that is not legal but still exists and is a barrier to progress. We have disparities around housing. We have disparities around education. We have disparities around income. And we have to recognize that everybody did not start out on an equal footing in this country. And in particular, black people have not. And so we have got to recognize that and do something about that and give folks a lift up. That's why, for example, I'm proposing the LIFT Act. Give people who are making $100,000 or less as a family a tax credit, which will benefit and uplift 60% of black families who are in poverty. So by default, it affects black families, but there's not a particular policy for African Americans that you would explore. Listen, the, the reality also is this. Any policy that will benefit black people will benefit all of society. Let's be clear about that. Let's really be clear about that. So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to do something that's only going to benefit black people. No, because whatever benefits that black family will benefit that community and society as a whole in the country. Right. <laughs> right, Richard. Right. <laughs> come but on, you man. Know, uh, hey, Elliot, the, the question comes as I listen to these, you know, um, this dance. This well, well, wait a minute. Dance. Before before you mm-hmm. comment, mm-hmm. the reason I was playing this is because 
of uh, some black folks messiah all of a sudden weighed in on reparations. Mm-hmm. When this is what he said when he was running for president. Let me play this. And keep in mind that on that panel that he was on, you had Hillary Clinton and Biden. And notice what the host asked all of the panelists, and only one said something in reference to it. Uh, this guy, Kucinich. But listen to Kucinich's answer. Listen to all of these people. Listen to him first. I'll play it. Senator Obama, your position on reparations? I, I, I think the reparations we need uh, right here in South Carolina is investment, for example, in our schools. Uh, yeah, I, I did a... I did, a, I did a town hall meeting in Florence, South Carolina, uh, in an area called the Corridor of Shame. They've got buildings uh, that students are trying to learn in that were built right after the Civil War. Uh, and uh, we've got teachers uh, who are not trained to teach the subjects they're teaching in, high uh, dropout rates. We've got to understand that there are corridors of shame all across the country. And if we make the investments and understand that those are our children, that's the kind of reparations that are really going to make a difference is, is in America anyone, right now. Is anyone on the stage for reparations for slavery for African Americans? Are you? I am. The Bible says we shall be and must be repairers of the breach. And a breach has occurred, and we have to acknowledge that. It's a breach that has resulted in inequality and in opportunities for education, for health care, for housing, for employment. And so we must be mindful of that. But it's also a breach that has affected a lot of poor whites as well. We need to have a country which recognizes that there is an inequality of opportunity and a president who's ready to challenge the interest groups, be they insurance companies or mortgage companies or defense contractors who are taking the money away from the people who need it. Yes, I am for repairing the breach. Yes, I am for reparations. He was for reparations for whites and Mm -hmm. blacks, Uh, although I don't understand that answer. But if you notice, when uh, after that, that answer, all that obfuscating that Obama was doing and giving all types of, you know, similar to the answer mm-hmm. that Kamala Harris gave and AOC gave and, and uh, Bernie Sanders gave. You, you, when the host said, well, wait a minute, is anybody for, mm-hmm. for reparations for African-Americans? None of them said anything. Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton was standing up there. Biden was standing up there. And Obama gave that silly answer. I don't know what he was talking about. But now he says here on a podcast with a with a drunk that was arrested for drunken driving, but they dropped the charges a couple of days ago. Bruce Springsteen, he's on a podcast with Springsteen. All of the, uh, maybe they got something in common. I don't know. But let me read to you what he said. Uh, former President Barack Obama earlier this week said that a case for reparations for Black Americans is justified, but he added that the politics of white resistance and resentment, among other issues, made the prospect of pursuing the issue during his presidency a non-starter. So if you ask me theoretically, are reparations justified? The answer is yes. The former president said in an episode of he and Springsteen's new renegade Born in the USA podcast that was launched on Spotify earlier this week. There's not such question that wealth in this country, the power of this country was built uh, a significant part, not exclusively, 
uh, maybe not even the majority of it, but a large portion of it was built on the backs of slaves. Uh, notice how he prefaced that, Richard. Yeah, keep, keep narrowing. I'm yeah. Like, it's, not 50, it's not 60%. It's yeah. not 70%. It's not 60%. It's not 50%. It's not 40%. Okay, it might be about 30%. Hey, come on, not a significant part. Not exclusively, maybe not even the majority of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on. You know, it, when I saw during my presidency that the politics of white resistance and resentment and the talk of welfare... I'm sorry. The talk of welfare uh, queens and the talk of undeserving poor and the backlash against affirmative action, he said, adding, all that made the prospect of actually proposing uh, any kind of uh, reparations program struck me as politically a non-starter and counterproductive. Listen, I don't want to hear all them weak excuses from a guy people think that's uh, some type of, uh, uh, they put him in the vein of some of our leaders. Come on, this this old weak stuff, man. Get out of here with that crap. Come on, man. but, but HR forty gave all gave all of them an out. I mean, maybe you know, maybe I mean we know, um, for you know, as you as you keep saying that, that it's because of the um, insiders, um, not just white backlash, but um, the political language. But HR forty gave them an out. They don't have to say they want to give reparations. But what makes them say that the to make that number? That that you know it went and going from is race um, perception of race AOC, AOC is the perception of race real to where um, people identity the identity thing is real in America? Well, doesn't I mean HR forty is saying it's going to do the study, then it'll be able to clarify to what degree, like put some numbers behind it, right? Um, that's that's an out, that's an out. Um, it will it do um, um, black people deserve to have a a singular uh, policy directed to them because of slavery or oh, Kamala Harris? Um, well, the study could confirm that they ain't got to say I, I, whether it will or not. They all they got to do is support. Yes, the study will be confirmed that 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 would push the study along. It is the political calculus of backlash. You know, if you actually wanted to put, um, to give reparation um, is a non-starter, the study would have well, said, well, I, maybe it will, but the study would at least say um, why, because if it's systemic. What, I'm, what, I'm, what is in my mind is saying, why can't they say the study? What is making them not be able even to say, that we need to study to the degree of the systemic reality of race. And I did hear someplace else that I'm, I'm parroting, but I thought it was a good idea. Why can't every department in, in the U.S. be studied? Not just like who's in there, but over its long period of time of the actual policies and people who made policy decisions in those departments that had adverse effect specifically to black people. They got, I mean, all you gotta do is say, I want, I mean, they, they could ask for it. Like they asked for a budget. 
this way. I, I want to. I want a historical stud, study on your department on the effect that policies that have been made in your department that has adversely affected black people from the point of enslavement to now. That, that I mean, isn't that data in those departments? Do they got to go outside somewhere to get that information? Don't they have people in those departments that already in their archives and, and whatever to, that already, they don't have to have a political scientist or a, a university professor or a team. They can use the people that's right there. They do it all the time when they want to ask for budget numbers. So what what is what is the resistance there? And that ain't got nothing to do with the backlash the pop, the backlash. I don't know if that makes sense, Ellen. Yeah, well, listen, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll bring some of the callers in. Uh, Richard, listen, you know, those answers that those folks were given, those clips with their voices, not me saying this or accusing them, you heard their voices giving stupid uh, stupid answers, run-around answers, to specific questions dealing with reparations. Uh, this Obama gives some excuse about he was afraid of white backlash. He wasn't afraid of no backlash from whites or even his own community when he was pushing LGBTQ uh, 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 legislation all during his presidency. When he expanded Africa, I'm on the continent of Africa, and he got the nerve to talk about reparations for black people. When he had Hillary Clinton go over there and tell those 54 nations of, of uh, the African Union that if they didn't start relaxing LGBTQ laws against people over there, then they wasn't getting any more aid and things of that nature. They wasn't getting no help from the United States, although they can take it. You see some of them countries telling them now that they can take it and shove it. But I'm just saying, those policies he was pushing then, he didn't have no problem pushing that. He wasn't afraid of white backlash then. All of a sudden, he's afraid of white folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, not all of a sudden. He's, uh, you know, they, is that what we supposed to teach our children? He want to run around with some brothers keeping all this stuff. You want to teach your children to be afraid of whites? Re- be afraid of their so-called backlash? Come on, it, it, that 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 and it's, that's an excuse in itself. He isn't afraid of no white backlash. He did what he was going to do and wanted to do. And now this is nothing but another strategic move that he's been instructed to do. Yeah. We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Uh, you can get involved too by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot 
and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger. Run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. The brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us, or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you.
We have a message to the black man. Because the black man today is a man who has been made now almost into a laughing stock. Nobody takes the black man serious. We're just used to be somebody's tool. We are the sportsmen. We're the singers and the dancers. And we're also labeled as the pimps and the criminals and the drug dealers and the killers and the vagabonds of society. We're the bogeymen of British society and other Western systems. And we want to dispel that lie and destroy those myths and put the black man back on the map where we belong. Who is the black man? The black man is the original man. If it wasn't for the black man, no other men could be on this planet. We are the fathers of humanity. We gave birth to all of you. Today, Reverend, you can't do nothing for me. See, that's what we gotta be careful of. We gotta be careful of who we bow down to. But see, when you get in your congregation and you talk this Jesus, this powerful Jesus that's sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power in his hand, then you go with your hat in your hand to the governor, to the mayor, to the president, begging for some crumbs. You have sold your God cheap. And you make the white man downtown disrespect all of us. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 8, 9, 15 here in the city of Philadelphia, and we're in open form this evening for the time we have left on Time for an Awakening. And you can join the conversation by dialing 215 490 32. That's 215-490-9832. Richard, before I go to a couple of callers, uh, let me mention something, too. Um, and I want to mention it before the break. It seems kind of funny to me. You um, you heard Kamala Harris 
and AOC, even though she's not black, uh, and Obama give runaround answers. And you heard the other, the first two politicians specifically say that they wasn't interested in any legislation just targeting black people, right? Mm -hmm. Now, these are supposed to be your friends. Democrats are supposed to be black people's friend, and the Republicans is their arch enemy. So if you hear Democrats saying that they're not, including this president now, that they're not interested in giving any legislation that specifically targets you, then who are your friends? Do you have any friends? Who are your friends? Or do you think you have friends? That's a question for anybody that wants to answer our listening audience that thinks that these politicians, both black, white, Republican, Democrat, or anything else, is your friend. And plus, um, you heard Kamala Harris say that she was interested in legislation that would help everybody. And then she asked the young lady that interviewed her, well, when we help black people, we're helping everybody, the whole country arise, right? Uh, you know, I thought, maybe you got to correct me, Richard, or maybe Brother Otis or one of the callers got to correct me, that I thought that that was a Reagan and Bush policy about the rising tide folks all boats. Seemed mm-hmm. like she's adopted it. And Obama adopted it too. Right. Because he said he wasn't interested in any legislation that specifically targets you. When we know that all of these things, negative things that happen to black family, uh, black families, black people, black men, black women in this country, uh, was legislation a lot of times that specifically targeted you. But the remedies, they don't want to specifically target you. But when you look at all these uh, past legislations from the turn of the century, from the Civil War, even some of these issues of crack and other things, uh, breadlining and all this other stuff that specifically targets you, none of the remedies got to specifically target you. The remedies got to be broadband across the board. Everybody got to benefit. And when everybody benefits, who's last? You. Black folks, they're last. Let's let's go to a couple of these callers. Uh, yeah, did you want to say something before, before I go? Right, right. No, go ahead. Let's go to let's go to uh, two six seven two six seven. Are you there? Two six seven. Must have fell asleep. Let's go to uh, four 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 four. Yeah, How you hear me? Yes, sir. Uh, in the words of Honorable Colleague Muhammad. We're on your own, black man. And once our people realize that these devils working together, I keep telling everybody, the Republicans and the Democrats working together, man, red and blue. Sister McKinnon said that, man. So we on our own, man. And uh, you heard about the thing with Dr. Claude Ellison trying to uh, get this uh, high-speed rail down south? You heard about that? No, enlighten me. But Dr. Claude Anderson going to run this high-speed rail all the way from South Carolina to Texas. He said he got the money, and uh, just got to get to the state legislature, to all the governors. So he's he going to run it right down uh, Interstate 20. It's going to be for us, financed by us. That's what Dr. Claude Anderson said, man. So that's what I'm about, man, trying to do our own thing, damn America. Okay, even though the New York boy, he just 
particular hell is pinky. Pinky get pink when I, when I, when I say, oh, God bless America, before I really got enlightened. You know what I'm talking about? But it's all good, man. You know, I know how to laugh it off, have fun. It's all good. At least I did something. I ain't see shit he did. what he do? Huh? Okay? So at least I was out there, man. But anyway, I got a fucking my neighbor dog barking, man. Y'all probably hear, so you might want to just mute me, man. I don't want to interrupt the floor with this fucking dog next door, man. I'm, tired. I'm sick of it, man. I'm... Anyway, I love y'all, man. I, I, I'm going to pass the mic on and let somebody else talk. Oh, I didn't know you you was you you hate animals there. <laughs> I hate a fucking dog, man. Got, I hate a damn uh, a barking ass dog. Don't shit, man. I got to get up. I got to be. I got to be on. Uh, I hear picking cotton. Uh, 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 five o'clock in the morning, man. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, it's all good, man. I got to uh, do what I got to do, man. Yeah, y'all, Richard. But check out what Dr. Claude Anderson got, man. All right, please. He said he can't sleep. He got to get up five in the morning. Yeah, I got to box it. <laughs> that ain't funny, but let me go to uh, 215. 215. <laughs> hey, brother Elliot, how you doing, man? How are you, sir? <laughs> how, you, how you doing, brother Richard? I know. Oh, I'm glad y'all brothers doing well. Your brother West had to chuck with brother West too, man. Ain't nothing like them barking dogs, brother. They can they can keep you awake at nighttime. I tell you, Mm-mm-mm. brother West, brother West. But yeah, I just wanted to say this, uh, brother Ellen Richard. You know, what, what was the name of our ancestor Elliot? I think you might have played the clip you and brother Richard where they say, "Make them hear you, make them hear you." I forgot which ancestor of ours said that, but. I'm Ellen, we should uh, let's be honest now. We're gonna look at this thing honestly, brother. We should not be surprised that Bernie or AOC or Obama or any black or white politicians, when they come to their stuff directly for black people, how they dance, you know, whether AOC or Bernie supports it or not, they are they they it seems like even with black people, you ask the average black politician and they'll dance around it because and Ellen, you saw a case of that today when you was watching the, the thing on the uh terrestrial television by Brother Cody Anderson. You know, everybody know anything about the origin of Unity Day knows that was a black cultural event. But what did you hear Gary Shepard, who I, who I do like Brother Gary Shepard, but he, but you see how he was on there talking that stuff about it was multicultural, it was for everybody. No, that was not for everybody. Of course, it's a public event. We're not going to stop no other races from coming down because it's a public, it's on a parkway. So, of course, other races are going to be there, but it was made pr- primarily for black people. So, that's why I'm not surprised that AOC or Bernie or, or I'm saying, but I'm, 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 I'm see Obama. I'm more mad with him and Kamala because see, and, 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 and he, you talking about a VP and a former president that, that was in position to push legislation for it, or, and she's in a position now, so to speak. But she ain't gonna do it because, again, for whatever reason, when it comes to black people. Anything primarily for black people, whether it be for uh, uh, something like Unity Day. Uh, reparations. We saw that up in, and speaking of Dr. Claude Anderson, who Brother West mentioned, we saw that up in Detroit with the former jailbird mayor, Kwame Kilpatrick, when, when Brother Claude Anderson approached him about having Africatown, starting Africatown. He said, because after all, you know, we up in the city of Detroit, brother, you have Little Italy, you have Korean town, Chinatown, uh, Polish town, 
you know, little Germany. All these little ethnic groups got their own uh, thing, but let's not have and, and first thing, him, him and them Uncle Tom Coons and Action Mamas on, on the Detroit City Council, they come back to Claude Anderson saying that's being racist. I mean, you have black people telling him that they, that there's, there's, there's separatism and racism, but it's okay for, for every other ethnic group that had a little town and stuff, the little business district in, in Detroit. You know, like I said, all right, for Italians to have theirs, the Asians to have theirs, the the the, the, uh, the Irish to have theirs, the Polish to have theirs, but when it comes to black people, it's something wrong with it. So that's why I'm not surprised. So like I said, that's why, that's why I, go, I go back, Elliot. We have got to make them hear us and stuff. We got to push through that because you're going to hear that from my, you going to hey, and, it's, and I've learned, Elliot, over here, you, you can find some black politicians that that's, that's thorough or have, 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 have records of doing good things. When you broke the subject of reparations, even some of them, I've heard them even tap dance around it. So that's why my whole thing is make them hear you. Make them hurt you. Don't keep on when they when they when, when they stop being weak. Need keep pushing it on them. Keep pushing on them and stuff. As the old saying go, they when they when they come with that weak stuff, come on back strong. And that's what we all have to do. We have to push it through. And I don't I don't give a damn because they spineless and they scared to, to speak the truth. We got to do what we got to do because it's up to us to make sure that we hold these black politicians accountable and make sure that they push reparations through. And I do believe. And we're in the right time where even them big Caucasians, they'll be they'll support reparations and stuff at some point because I think the times we live in, whether they want to or not, sometimes circumstances forces you to do things. It's like a mother. You like when you talk to any mother that has a child, you can you know you can you 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 can you can tell that baby to be quiet all you want, but if you don't do something with that baby, that baby keep your heart. You got to pick that baby up, rock that baby. You got to put that pacifier. You got to do something you can to quiet that baby down in order for you to get some sleep. And the answer obviously is not to take the baby and throw the baby against the wall like some ignorant people have did over the years. They get they 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 they, they kill a child because they can't do it for baby crying. Well, damn it, if you can't do it for baby crying, they don't have a baby because babies gonna cry. That's their nature. So I'm saying. So my point is that circumstances force you to do things that you don't want to do. And I do believe in my heart of hearts that these bigots, no matter how racist they are, they're going to support reparations because, again, circumstances are going to force them to do what they don't want to do. And I, I, I truly believe that. And, you know, Brother Richard was saying earlier about uh, – I think that Richard was. I forgot. I think that Richard was talking about the. Uh, I'm make sure I'm on the right path. Right? Cause I could have some things down when y'all first came on about the. Uh, uh, was it about? I think that Richard was talking about was the Palestinian or I forgot what Brother Richard was mentioning. Stuff I. Stuff. Anyway, my point is that uh, when we talk about, oh, I think it was about the. Uh, Israeli Palestinian. I, I, I can't remember right now, but I, I kind of think I misplaced my notes back because I was jotting it down. But on the Palestinian thing, no, he said that. Like, uh, he said that Meeks said that the Palestinians were racist. Okay. Oh, that's right, what Meeks and stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. Thanks, thanks, brother Elliot. Yeah, and I'm like, and Gregory Meeks have shown again what a Negro he is, and like you said, and like you and brother Mitchell correctly said, Elliot. They always got them prepared answers when you broke them up on this Israeli-Palestinian thing. It's always a two-state solution. And mixed back here, when all that controversy was back here about, uh, I think it was about Deshaun Jackson and some of the other controversy with, with blacks, people, and Jews, Mix came out there and, and, and called Minister Farrakhan, and, and, and I think he, he might have even called Deshaun Jackson anti-Semitic. So he's like, he showed what kind of spineless 
pup pay puppeteer, you know, and 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 them them Zionists control that Negro. He's right there with what he what he's made of. So I'm I'm not surprised that smileless Negro said what he said. But you know, I will say this, you know. When you look at this Palestinian-Israeli situation, Elliot, he and, and they all got their prepared texts, like you told Brother Richard in your conversation, Elliot. Either when they say that prepared text about the two-state solution, they move, move away from it, and, and, they, and they they say that, and they, they and they go on and move and stay away from it. Because, like I said, you look at a guy like Sharp and Perm Daddy, as Brother Jay will call him. It's no accident. You can listen to his show a hundred times over the years, and he never talks about it. His his man's will be a, a so-called human rights activist, or like he's supposed to proclaim himself, right? He he had every shooting of black people at the hands of the police, which is fine, you know. He's I've seen him, you know, out there on on the, on the Indian reservation, you know, protesting the mistreatment of Native Americans. But one thing you never be shocked and deal with and stuff unless he's ass and even when he's asked he come up with that, that cliche answer two state solution and move on and stuff he never did that palestine israeli situation shocked him on t- he, he stayed away from that like it's a disease it's like a hot coals that shocked him and stuff and because it just lets you know who who he's asking to who's paying his bills who 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 calling the shots for that uh, national action network one don't have to be a uh, a rocket scientist to see what's going on. I mean, people, man, they they they, they something else, man. They, they they play out people for stupid, man. You know what I mean? They play out people for stupid. And and when you talk about the owner during Richard Herb with the attack on Sir, in Syria by U.S. airstrikes, I don't know if you heard today. Israel got Israel. They joined in the game. Now Israel uh, 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 fired some um, some 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 airstrikes in in Syria today, but Syria claimed they shot all the Israeli uh, uh, warplanes down. So you see clearly. This wasn't no just no circumstances. United States, uh, 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 you know, attacked Syria the other day. Thompson was attacking Iranian interests, I mean, Iranian militias, and, and here in Israel do airstrikes today. You know what I mean? And, and again, where's the condemnation from the from that cowardly UN? That that UN on and up in New York is about as spineless and weak need. They all they do. I'm not just, I'm gonna give an example, Elliot, to you and Richard, and the time from where they how spineless they are. Now they came. They have no problem coming out today. And in other cases, they came out and, and condemned what's going over at Myanmar with the with 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 with, them, with the military overthrowing the, the the so-called elected government by the people, and they and they had even out there human rights abuses, killing people, doing all kinds of stuff. The UN came out and condemned them and said they're going to be held accountable. But whenever Israel kills Palestinians or, or, or do air, illegal airstrikes, them, them spineless bastards up in the UN don't say a damn thing. They're, they're about as gutless as they can be. Got no backbone, even when they had that Negro in there that was back, remember the one that Kofi Annam, he was head of the UN back years ago. He was a spineless Negro. He he was he was very tight-lipped when it came to Israel. Any, any other kind of so-called human Violation in China, anywhere else, he would open up. He, he was he, you couldn't shut him up. But it was Russia, China, anybody else that was accused of any kind of. He was up there when Israel was, was killing Palestinians wholesale. That nigga would open up his damn mouth. You know, I mean, I mean, this kind of spineless, weak knee stuff about Israel has got to stop, Elliot. And but just got to stop these these, these people that sit tight lipped by Israel that's run roughshod over everybody, violating people's sovereignty, their their, their, their human rights. They don't say a word, and so the UN don't say. World, these stylish black leaders don't say nothing. The, the you know the the, the the you know black or I mean black or white uh, and stuff. Uh, the poly- Democrats, Republicans don't say a word and stuff. They, it's a disgrace. It's sending the shame to the creator. The stylish coward that you dealing with with these people, man. 
Israel is allowed. It's a it's one standard for everybody else in the world, but it's another stand. It's another standard for Israel. And, and so when you point these things out, oh, you being anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic, my ass. You know, I mean, I'm, you just get tired of the nonsense, man. You know, and like you said, black people need to be very concerned. This thing with uh, going into attacking Iran or Iraq or Syria, because they'd be the young black children from these inner cities, the, the hood, that'd be sent over there to fight for the for the white man, for these white Zionists and white and, and, and United States imperialism interests. They'd be they'd be them from the, the same young black men that these white cops have no problem shooting down in the street. Like they like 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 they they less than human. They'll have no problem sending them overseas to die for the interests of these white racist Zionists. I mean, this is utter madness, man. It's utter madness, you know. Oh man, I tell you, it's it's, it's enough to make you wanna it's enough to make you wanna puke and stuff, man. And 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 I, and I close these last couple of things for Brother Joe or any some other callers to get on on the vaccination, Elliot and Richard. Now you know, but this Johnson Johnson just coming out with their thing, and of course you got the Moderna. Pfizer and Exonica, whatever they call it. Now you got four vaccines pretty much on the market. Like you said the other day, I live. What is the mix and max game? You know what I mean, let's take the vaccine of choice today. I mean, this, I mean, this don't tell our people that that you, that you better be, you have to be very, very leery about taking this. I already say I'm not taking this. So I'm just clear, brother Joe ain't taking it. anybody else want to. That's up to them. But I'm just saying anybody we got. Good sense. They got a damn brain in the head. Wouldn't take this stuff. I mean, you got all these vaccines they pushing out now, and and stuff like now. Now you got one is Johnson and Johnson, a one shot deal. You know, and don't forget, Elliot, but you correct me if I'm wrong. Ain't this the same Johnson Johnson? They just, just think about it, Elliot and Richard. Ain't this the same Johnson Johnson? They they they, they, they got a pair of class action lawsuit for that talcum powder that was killing people and giving people cancer. Am I right or wrong? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, then, and I say this, Ellen, and I say this, Ellen, Mitchell, with all due candor, because a friend of mine, his grandmother is part of that Claxton lawsuit. She ain't got cancer, you know, taking that stuff. She's going, she's supposed to get, you know, she's supposed to get part of that money when it's when it's distributed by the lawyers. So I'm saying to myself, how, why, why any black person in their right mind want to take that? I don't give a damn if it's a shot, double shot, triple shot. Why the hell would you want to take something from a? They just got sued. They just got when they when they got found guilty and got ordered to pay because they was putting on talcum powder, talcum powder on the market that was giving people cancer. You know, and and then we look at the big picture, brother Ellen Richard. Black folks, the ones that spend the most recipients of some of white America's most horrendous, and I mean horrendous and horrific medical experiments from Tuskegee, from Henrietta Lacks, you know, from, from black women having babies and, uh, and going through all kinds of surgeries, and white doctors purposely, and this is what I'm saying, Richard, white doctors purposely letting black women suffer in excruciating pain like they were some kind of damn animal, because they, they feel as though black women got a high threshold of pain, so to get them something numb the pain, they would let these black women suffer excruciating pain. Some of these black women, the pain was so bad some of these black women died from this. This is what these white doctors purposely did. And, and yet we the most trust they heard Negroes on TV and radio just pushing this this stuff. Yeah, black people gotta get the vaccination. We gotta get it. We gotta get it. You got the honorable Minister Lewis Farrakhan. You got Dr. Lee Muhammad. All these people warning black folks to think twice about it. And you got these other Negroes on the other side pushing it. And I don't give a damn Ellen Richard because they got black doctors telling you. And again, some of these black doctors mean well, but like the old saying 
saying go in the Bible, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So if by the intentions might be good, who the hell are they getting the information from? Who are they getting this? They're getting it from the white medical uh, uh, people. You know, and don't forget, we have a short memory. Black doctors only over the last half century, Ellen Richard, was able, was, was able to join the AMA. Black people had to form their own medical thing because the American Medical Association was so damn racist, they wanted black doctors in it. People, doctors like Daniel Hale and Dr. Charles Judy, who created the, the blood plasma, they couldn't even be part of the medical association because they was black. You know what I mean? So we got sometimes we get a short memory when they deal with these Europeans, man. And yet, yet we so damn trusting these people, man. It's just, it's just painful. There's so many black folks so trusting these Europeans, but they didn't give us some of the most horrific, horrific treatment and stuff, and it hasn't changed even here in 2021. It hasn't changed and stuff. We still get the, the, the uh, it's, it's a big disparity in the treatment of black folks and by the by, by the so-called white medical profession, and when they compare to black uh, white uh, people that's in hospitals, and yet we so damn trusted these people, man. I, sometimes I wonder, if glutton for punishment, man. I, I wonder, I wonder. And lastly, Ellen and Richard, I'll say this. You remember you were saying about how the mind altering with the drugs with these brothers, how it get the mind altering. Ellen, I'm sure you and Richard and y'all travel when y'all get to go to a convenience or just walk in the street. I heard these brothers, they say it like it's no big deal. I'm going to get me some sweet wood, backwoods, uh, blunts, whatever. And these brothers, they smoke that stuff, man, and, 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 and they, they think it's like they don't understand the damage that it's, doing, that it's doing to their brain cells, man. If I had my way, Brother Ellen Richard, I would ban that stuff out of all these stores. I don't care whether it's a 7-Eleven, a neighborhood uh, corner store. Them, that, that, that damn tobacco paper, whether it's top paper, backwoods, sweet and shit they call that stuff, excuse my language, I would ban it because that stuff is, all this stuff is going to our young black men and women and even some of our older black men and women. It's destroying their brain cells. They're smoking that weed and, and God knows what else the weed is mixed with and stuff like that. And that's why they do such crazy stuff out here, man. That stuff should be banned. And that's why, that's why I give a lot of respect for my brother down Center City or Indian friend of mine who got a newsstand. He refused to sell it. He said, Joe, I'm not selling that. He said, I know the damage is done. To, to, now, some, some other news stands down there selling, but he refused to sell it. And I applaud him for doing that, because he said, he said, you know, the damage that it's doing to, to, to black people, man, buying that, buying that stuff, man. So, I mean, you know, we, we, we just got work to do, man. We got, we got our hands full. We got, we got a lot of work to do, man. So, you know, you know. But I just wanted to thank you, Ellen Richard, for uh, letting me express myself, and I'll get off so other callers can get on. And, uh, Ellen, just put, put me on mute, uh, brother Ellen. You Richard, have a good night. Thanks for your call, bro. You're welcome. Let's go to uh, 646. 646. Hey, what's happening, Brother Richard and Brother Elliot? Listen, Little Joe and Research West better leave white folks alone, man. It it, it seems that um, these white folks ain't bothered them, and the problem is the dogs barking. The dogs are barking, Wes. You got to do something about the dogs barking, brother. Tell them whoever the owner is, those dogs can't be barking at 5 o'clock in the morning waking you up. You need your beauty sleep. <laughs> but listen, Elliot, I got a quick question for you. Now, in regards to the product that Dr. Aline is working with, is that a pro product that's taken every day? Or is that a product that's just taken when you maybe leaving outside the house or something like that. 
Um, to be honest, I'm not sure. In fact, I'm gonna get him back on uh, here soon. Uh, in fact, I talked with him the other day, and uh, he's gonna come. He'd like to come on after Savior's Day. Uh, so okay. you know, we're gonna go back into it. I'm. In fact, I'm gonna get both of them back on him and, and Professor Jefferson. Yeah, because I, I I definitely wanted to ask him. I think Ralph was telling me that it's something that you take when you go outside the house or or something like that. I I gotta ask him again. But the thing is, is this with this whole vaccination? I'm just waiting for him to say that all Americans are gonna have to mandatorily take it in order to um, be able to do certain things within the country, to go into restaurants, to go to basketball games, um, to go to theaters and things of that nature. Because I don't know if you know this, man. I have a friend of mine that works at Madison Square Garden. And um, she was telling me that these white folks, man, who are in love with basketball so much, paying like $250 to take a, a shot, to take a um, a vaccination and stuff like that, man. And it's crazy. You know what I mean? And that they have to have um, proof that they've taken a uh, uh you know, vaccination tests, not a vaccination, but a corona test, um, like I think it's 72 hours before they they come to the game and all of that. I mean, to me, the more and more you observe it and you look at it, it's it's going to become a big brother type thing, if you ask me. Um, now, how viable the vaccination is, I don't know, but I know somebody's making money. Oh. Now, the funny thing is, I don't know if people know this or not, but if you get the the corona um, virus and you have to have medical coverage, um, you're not supposed to get charged for that coverage. Wait a minute. Say, what, say uh, that again. What, yeah, if you, if you don't have medical insurance and things of that nature and you get the coronavirus, you're not supposed to be charged for it. Now, if you have medical coverage and stuff like that, they definitely build billing your um, insurance. But if you uninsured or something like that and you don't have any coverage, they they're not supposed to charge you for it, from my understanding. Oh, I, I don't know, Richard. You you know anything yeah. about? It? But it, it makes sense that uh, I mean on that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, that just brings the thought to me that um, once everything is, um, once everything, uh, you, we're, whether we're going to, uh, whether we're going to be paying for, because this shot is not, it's not just a one time and that's over. It's going to be a, a, just like the flu shot, a yearly thing that people are going to have to take. So right now you don't have to pay. I mean, and unless they, you know, like you said, the insurance company is paying. But after things are stabilized, I believe everybody is going to be paying one way or another. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well. You know that's the setup. I mean, and plus, you know the um, the vaccination is going to be changed over the years because the way it seems as though there's so many different strands coming into place it's going to be interesting to see how it's developed and things of that nature. Now, if this product that Dr. Aline has 
is a more consistent product that holds its weight and holds its own over an extended period of time without it um being changed and it's accomplishing the things that they say that it is and it's doing what it's doing, then that's a whole different dynamic. You know what I mean? Because um the course of this whole vaccination situation with what's going on, you know it's gonna be not cheap because the bottom line is the insurance companies have to make their money. That's mm-hmm. all they care about. They don't they don't care about anything else, I believe, other than making their money. The question I'm I have, and that's why I I um I praise Cuba um and and and, and a few other other South South American countries that are using the Cuban model, because for us us being um, Black Americans specifically, it's health prevention that is more um, the concern that we have to be um, in mindful of and raise the question. And um, the Cuban system of having health practitioners so close to the population and assisting in uh, uh, better health prevention um, is like really like a necessity. And that's a that's a power question, and that's a political a political uh, political positioning that Black people have to decide. Not you know not I mean we can either pay and have the challenge of paying you know not having insurance, which a lot don't, don't have medical insurance, and, and then has scurrying around and getting state-sponsored um, um, vaccines, and we don't know what that means. Or we can have, create, recognize that we need to create a, a medical infrastructure, a prevention infrastructure close to us because we're dying from the virus, not because just of the virus we're dying because of our health propensity, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah, but that, but that's the way the system, that's the way the system is set up. So, no, I mean, that's what we are allowing our health and the political system to arrange our behavior to not be able to deal with the preventiveness of our health. I mean, if, no, if, it's a common, it, no, no, no. Cause it's too many, it's too many food deserts, in our community, and it's and and it's and too much. Is that not a political question? I mean, I mean, I mean, it, and Elliot raised about reparations. Well, if if repair, and I'm not even dealing with the you know whatever the reparation, but when we're talking about our health, our health propensities, and rec, and true, food deserts is one of them of the the the, the condition, especially and poverty is another you know, is a condition that we're living in. And because we're living in these conditions, we, it makes us more susceptible to the virus. It just makes it, and the scarcity of the medical practitioners, even if they're assistants within the environment that we live in, that is our challenge to try to put those things in place. Yes, they're not in place. And yes, they're going to make money off of it. But the question is, is that what we want? And what this here pandemic, quote unquote, showed us that even that we die dying and died more rapidly because of food desert, because of um, not having 
um, preventive medical. Yeah, but, but but white folks got food deserts too, man. I mean, I mean, it's, it's it's much broader than that, man. I I, I, I understand that, and I, you know, I let the let them take care. You know, that I mean, that's that's the issue. You know, the issue is for looking at black folks in the sense of what is the remedy? Because if we keep saying that that's the problem, then we're not addressing it. I mean, even in conversation, you know, because those people, you know, my um, right now, my brother um, over, well, really this week, him, his wife and his son, his son is 12, his wife, and they, they got tested um, with the virus. Now, first it was him and first it was um, uh, my sister-in-law and 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 their and their son, who was again is twelve. He didn't know. Now they got a rapid test and they came out. He didn't know. So in the last three or four days, they've been in each room because they you know being isolated from each other, and they they have moved from symptoms to non-symptoms. Now, you know they they try to deal with you know, their, their, their health and, and died to a certain degree. So he said that the symptoms and, you know, and checking out, but what I'm saying, and that's because they are um, somewhat economically situated where they could be able to address their health because it costs to address your health. That's a, that preventive thing. It costs also, but what about all, when you're looking at in a city like Philadelphia, where the 25% of the people live in poverty, you know, and 13 in dire poverty, you know, there is no economic. So if we don't address the politics of health, and this here is showing that then that means, and then even dealing with that we got a, such a large population in prison that the virus is running up. That's a political issue. That's a power thing that we have to address. And yes, like prison, like having bad health, like dealing with poverty, this society makes money off of. The question is not that. The question is, what is it that we need? And that's why I'm saying we, to celebrate not just that Cuba yeah, I'm has really disappointed a, in my but Cuba has a health process that addresses the people. Um, in Cuba that allows them not just to have the medical, technological, and scientific ability to come up with their own vaccine, but a way to be able to address the health condition by having the medical practitioners right there with the people. And they tried to try to bring Black people, and I, I don't remember what year, Elliot, that um, it was to, um, Obi had told us that they had the agreement with the CBC in order to try to address. Hey, hey Richard, Richard, enough, enough. I, I want to go to something else because I mean, what you're saying, man, we, we have an understanding of it, but it's much broader and deeper than that, man. The the point of the matter is. So you're saying that we can't do nothing about it, but, but give. I, I'm not saying we die. can't do nothing about it. Let the people saying, die and that the white folks are going to get the money. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm, what I'm saying is that in all things in the black community, it's based on what is the narrative, how black people get their information, once they get the information, how they process the information, and the people 
that play games with the information. Just like, if you notice, nobody's talking about what Dr. Aline is talking about. Nobody's trying to put forward an alternative narrative on this vaccination and what other things can be done. It's just basically going to a situation to where as it'll be placed in a capitalistic system of white folks getting rich. That's that's all it's leading to, man. A situation where these white folks are gonna get rich off of it and black people are and other minorities are still gonna suffer. So I mean it, to me it's a, it's a, it's a joke. It because some of us say well, because it's too, that's too much, it's too deep, it's too, it's more to it than that, which means stop It is that. more to it than that. It is, that. It, it, it is, it is it. much bigger. It is much bigger. Just like Elliot, what I really wanted to say to him was about when he was talking about AOC and reparations and things of that nature. You know, it's it's quite funny how we make people like AOC out to be really an ally and a friend. And they're not allies or friends. They're strictly about themselves and their community. They're not about really dealing what needs to be done in regards to reparation. You know what I mean? They're not going to never really come out and support reparations. They're just going to make excuses for reparations. You know what I mean? The unfortunate thing is, like most things, we don't figure out how to deal with them in their traitorous selves. And we don't figure out how to move forward the narrative of reparations and how we could put it in a position to whereas we would hold them accountable for not addressing and dealing with reparations. You know what I mean? Same thing like you were saying earlier, Elliot, about Bernie Sanders and the rest of them. Man, they they just talk a game to get you to act and behave in what is their their interest. And if you notice, here it is. I've been in office for a couple of months, let's say a month, month and a half, and you know something was so funny? People still ain't get their money. Now, what do that tell you? What do that tell you? People still ain't get their money. Now they're getting ready to drop the whole narrative about $15 an hour. You know what I mean? They're going to make some sort of excuse for that. And, you know, it, it, it it's crazy. Even more deeper is what are they going to do about placing minorities in a position to address and deal with what's going on that's happening right now in Georgia with these characters that are making it to where people are going to have a harder and harder time to vote. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't know what, what we're going to do. Because it seems like, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm sorry to say it, but I just got to say it. Black folks are going to sleep now that this crack is in office. Well, I don't think everybody's going to sleep. And I, in fact, I don't, I, I don't no. think most of the people is going to sleep. 
I don't think we're going to sleep. People who think like us are going to sleep. But those that were out there voting in droves for Biden things of that nature, they're going, they're going to sleep. Oh, no question. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's just like, you know, it's a situation now where Biden's basically going to do whatever he's going to do. And, you know, the politicians are going to do whatever they're going to do to sustain their jobs and keep their jobs. And in the process, everyday people are going to get screwed. And that's just that's just the reality, man. Unfortunately, you know, it is what it is, man. And it, it's in a sense, it's kind of tragic because the, the, the thing is, where are we going to be? Once this so-called crisis is over, because this crisis is not going to be over no time soon. How are you going to tell me? Now, think about this. How are you going to tell me to take a vaccination and I still got a double mask? How do, how do that? Shouldn't a vaccination be something that prevents you from getting the the, the, the disease? Now, what they're saying is. They're giving you this vaccination, putting you putting this in your system to prevent you from maybe dying. It ain't preventing you from getting it. And if you do get it, it'd just be more manageable. I mean, I guess that's the situation. I don't know if your friends who you said caught it, Richard, did they get the vaccination? Not yet. Okay, so you know, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm 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 just some. Sometimes you just gotta, you gotta say, oh, because that's that's where we at, man. We we had a we had a situation today, man. That's absolutely crazy. I mean, where where we where we collectively as a as a people going? You know, do yeah, we have well, any idea on on where we going as a as a collective and as a as a people moving forward in this country? Well, I mean, you know. Well, what we're gonna do? We're gonna continue that uh, later on in the week because we're gonna get ready to get out of here, brother. Hey, listen. The earlier portion of the show, man, I love that Cuban music, man. Oh man, that, well, all of not, it wasn't Cuban music. It's not like it's not like Cuban music, man. African Cuban music, man. That yeah. was a real. That was really enjoyable with Ob put forward, man. I really. I really like that, bro. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Well, for he, had a, he had a lot of hip. He had a lot of hip hop and all. Well, maybe you didn't hear it all, but uh, when he puts it all no, together, I, I'm I a, just heard it from seven o'clock on. Oh, okay, all right. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. we was doing it from five thirty. Yeah, but it, it was it, it was definitely a, a, a enjoyable, man. And I I just like to say thank you. Have a good one, brothers. We'll talk. Peace. Right. Hotel. Okay. Richard, yes, we're going to get ready to get on out of here. I just want to let everybody know about the lineup this week. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting dialogue and guests on African Perspectives. That's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. From 6 to 8 later on that evening, Acres of Diamonds with Brother Jihad Ahmed. And from 8 to 9, Black Therapy Central with host Dr. Weir Kambon and, and uh, Dr. Kamal Kambon. He's kind of 
taking uh, Sister Nataki's place because of the time difference. On Tuesday, Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers from 8 to 10 p.m. on Time for Unawakening Media. On Friday, Time for Unawakening is back from 8 until. And on Saturdays from 4 to 6 in the afternoon, Black Sister Talk with host Lawanda Chambers. And later on Saturday evening from 7 to 9, the elders of Sankofa with host Alfonso Watkins. And then Time for Unawakening is back on Sunday from 7 until. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion, as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, Children playing after school. They seem to be so unaware. Oh, I know, I know the things that they'll soon have to take care of.
Children. To save the children. 